Welcome to The Art of Marketing, a podcast webinar series to help you connect with your customers. We talk with marketing directors, executives, and business owners to learn more about their approach to marketing, hear which tactics deliver results in different industries, and give you some ideas for your next campaign. The Art of Marketing is brought to you ad-free by Applied Art and Technology. Applied Art is a creative studio that helps businesses create professional content that gets results. From video production, websites, virtual events, and much more, Applied Art can help you build the bridge from marketing to sales. To learn more about our company, visit our website at appliedart.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. This is The Art of Marketing. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Chris Huckle. I'm an operations manager here at Applied Art Technology. And today's uh, topic is coordinating uh, learn from home, uh, learn from home schooling during the pandemic. And our guest is Amy Varco, and she is the executive director of communications for Waukee Schools. And she's uh, been right in the uh, right in the front of the uh, front of the war taking uh, taking place in front of us here. So um, we're happy to have you here with us, uh, Amy. Thank you very much. Amy, you uh, you started uh, back in uh, with uh, with a different uh, even a different life, right? You started in marketing uh, for healthcare first, right? I did. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, it's pretty symbolic that today is the day we're meeting and talking about this. As one year ago today, as we headed off for spring break, the world was in this spiral in this ever unknown changing dynamic and we were scrambling behind the scenes we were assured our we were going to come back from spring break and that never happened and here we are one year later you still kind of get the goosebumps like okay what is going to happen this spring break as people head off to their destinations or you know a lot of people are staying home and having staycations and um, as a vaccine rolls out and more and more people like our staff are getting vaccinated um, we, 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 we can see the the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to near and you transitioned right before right you weren't uh, you weren't in your current position very long I did. So I was in um, healthcare marketing for about 13 years prior to coming to Waukee. And I came to Waukee in the fall of 2018 um, for very different reasons. Um, I had done media, crisis communications, public relations, marketing um, in a couple of different sectors, but healthcare for the longest. And I was brought over to crisis communication um, in the public sector and education. And jumped right into the fire that was happening at the time in Waukee. And I took the role and I knew that my background was what was going to help us get through um, the crisis. And we always say 24 hour news cycle, that one lasted a little bit longer. <laughs> I could say our current pandemic has been that 24 hour crisis that never quite ended. Um, you keep looking for the end of oh, the it'll be done here in a few weeks. It'll be done. Well, we were living in two week increments for such a long time. Um, and then finally, when the schools were shut down in April for the rest of the year, we quickly looked at ourselves like, wow, 
this is real and what will next year look like. Um, coming out of the corporate world, we didn't have summer break. We didn't have a spring break. We don't have Christmas break. So everything here is segmented out. And it's like, can we get to spring break? Can we get to summer? Wait, now we're in summer. Are we going to go back? And so those are definitely questions that our team looked at ourselves and we started preparing this week, one year ago, we brought in our lead nurse and we said, we need to be on top of this. I went downtown to Polk County Health Department. They brought in all the hospitals, all the EMS, all the National Guard. There were so many people, and I say this because it's important, so many people shoved in a room together without a mask. And we were talking about COVID, coronavirus, as it was still referred to then. And we were planning and I raised my hand. I said, we are a school district and we have spring break in three days. What do we tell our families? What are we going to do? They looked at each other and not throwing them under the bus, but they didn't know. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to tell us. And so we have families calling if I go on vacation, can I come back? If I go on vacation, am I allowed to come back? Those are all questions that we just didn't have the answers to at that time. We thought, well, we better order some more supplies. We better have more gloves. We better have hand sanitizer. We better have, you know, some just PPE, but the PPE that is today wasn't what we were even talking about at the time. It still lived on surfaces. And it, the only way you could get it is by touching something. And so where we are today is so different from a year ago. You know, and I'm very much interested in the crisis communications. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, a, uh, that's a PR marketing function that uh, I think a lot of people um, overlook or, or, you know. Avoid. Avoid uh, thinking, well, uh, everything's going smooth. It's not going to be a problem. Um, so my first question is, um, I know when you came to the school district, there was a crisis of another sort that was um, uh, <clears throat> some sort of financial uh, issue, and I'm not sure of the details. Um, my first question is, what can you categorize? Are there different types of crises and <clears throat> that you should respond to in different ways? I mean, this is a little different than the pandemic. What's, what's, what are the different types of crises? Is I guess my question. And the short answer is absolutely. Each situation is so different. Everyone wants that blanket statement to put out. Well, we'll just have the drafts ready to go and we'll just send it out. Well, they are, I've never found having written up statements prior to ever work because each situation is so different. Coming from healthcare, there are crises on a level of treating patients or malpractice. There are crises like we're living in right now. Or when you come into public education, taxpayers are who we answer to. They are the ones that fund our buildings. They are the ones who fund everything that we have. And so they do deserve to have information given to them in a timely manner, open and transparent, and they need to trust us with their money and that we're doing the right thing with it. And when we came in, there, there was zero trust. That is what we had to work on. And how do you rebuild trust with individuals who have shown you that 
potentially they broke your trust. Um, so there was me coming in an outsider trying to get to know our district, getting to know the leaders, getting to know the history so that we could start putting things back together. But that takes time. And honestly, people, people remember when things aren't good. They tend to forget when things are just going along great. And they forget that, you know, two years is, gosh, we've been doing all right. But remember that one time when, or remember the, that time when, I can't trust those people. So we always say there's 10 good stories can be erased by one bad. And so it always took us depositing that positive news. And Waukee is known for their education and known for their great schools and their teachers. People want to work here. They want their kids to attend school here. And they still believed that part of it. But wait, what are you doing with my money? What are we using it for? How is it being used? So quickly, I realized we have to be open and it might be uncomfortable to have these conversations, but starting off with who wants to say, I'm sorry, because if we cannot say, I'm sorry, there is nowhere to start from. And I can't help you get to where we need to be without those two words. You know, it's really interesting, Amy, because I, in, in my career, I was in PR when I was in the Northwest for a semiconductor manufacturing plant, 600 employees, and I was on the leadership team and had been through media training, and there had been an accident in the clean room. And with 600 employees, I was the only one in the leadership team that wanted to tell the employees and wanted to give them talking points about how you can describe what happened and what measures we had taken to to solve the issue. But we were flooded with the press. And the biggest battle was getting people to agree to arm folks in the community with the right story to tell, because there's going to be those grocery line conversations and you want everybody saying the same things and having the same talking points. Was that a difficult challenge for you? It was, and we have about 1800 employees, but you're exactly right. They live in our community, they work in our community, their kids are in our schools. And if we can give our own staff the information, they can be our advocates out on the street, at the soccer fields, on the baseball fields. And there were so many times that my neighbors came up and like, I don't mean to talk work, but I mean, what's going on? And you want to be like, you know what? This is exactly what's going on. And then you can tell them the truth. And then they say, well, I heard it right from Amy. She said, this is what's happening. Um, Personnel issues are the hardest. And because you want to protect your legally, you have to protect that person. But also there are feelings, there are relationships that you have to manage. And so personnel issues are not my favorite, but when you're in the people business, like we are, that's what they, most of the times, that's what they are. You're dealing with either the students and the families, you're dealing with a staff member. So those are the hardest when you start to um, have some crisis communication around people. What What are the biggest mistakes people make? Not getting out early and sharing your story. Everyone just wants to wait and sit back or not say anything. I think probably sitting back on your hands, it'll just go away. Well, when you don't have information, 
people will make up their own narrative and they will start to fill in those gaps with information or with stories or with, I heard at the grocery store, I heard that this, oh, I saw them, they weren't doing it. So it is, and it's uncomfortable to share that you did something wrong or that what is perceived wrong or owning a mistake. We're all human. We've all made mistakes. We'd all go back and do something in our life differently, whether it's personally or professionally. Um, so I think sharing the story as much as you can legally, which is always the hard part too, is the legal ramifications that, mm -hmm. that kind of stick in there. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to admit you made a mistake, but it's worse if you don't, right? Absolutely. People people are super forgiving. They do want to see the, the other side of it. They want to see you succeed. Um, as much as you watch the car accidents happen and you just want to rewatch and rewatch, they do want to see the, the heroics after. They want to see you come back bigger and better. Well, no, the bottom line is the truth is going to come out eventually. Do you want to be the truth teller or the one that gets blasted for not telling anything? Absolutely. An hour but later. 2020 was a year of crises. And uh, we had started ironically a year ago today. Um, you talked about what you did internally. Um, how did you communicate uh, with the community um, around that? You know, and it's different in public education because we don't need to market a brand like a typical organization would. We, we could lose our customers, which are our families, but ultimately they're with us and they're with us oftentimes for 13 to 20 years, depending on a family dynamic. And so we realized quickly, and we have a wonderful superintendent who is great with words and speaking and is comfortable. So we sent a message out Friday as people were leaving quickly through email and said, we will be back. We left Sunday, I get a call, we're not coming back. Okay, the governor has said, we are not coming back. That, all right. So we have a lot of people who are on vacation. Um, so what we did is we realized how quickly we could communicate with people via text to check their email and social media became a huge component where we've often not put breaking news or breaking information on social because what happens, you get the comments and it just becomes kind of, you've seen the news sources. Um, it's not fun to be on there with the trolls and try to really have an adult conversation with people on there. So we relied heavily on, ex we set expectations. You will hear from us every Friday unless there is more pertinent information that we need to get to you sooner. You will hear from us, that is our promise to you. And so people would expect to hear from us and they held us to it. And we met those deadlines and timelines. And often, like I said, overshared because we did not want people to make up their own narrative through this. There were other districts doing other things. Our superintendent connected with them we wanted to do what was best for our staff and our families, but also we didn't want to be alone doing something. We did want to have a cohesive um, collaboration with our districts, but as time went on, obviously um, people had to do what was best for them. Talk a little bit about your uh, town hall meetings. 
So those, I think that's out, interesting. Yeah, those came out organically, which was super interesting because who wants to put themselves out there, kind of the old gotcha, um, you know, stump the chump type of thing. But our superintendent was game for it. And so we kind of became our tag team. He was the guy answering all the questions and I was kind of the facilitator, but we asked our community to send us questions ahead of time so we could see the themes that were emerging from our community. What did people really want to know about and talk about? What did they want to hear from us? And in the beginning, it was, how are we going to get back to school? Masks were a thing and they still kind of are a thing, but back in you know May and June, a mask really wasn't something that people were comfortable with or had really grasped that it worked. How can this, you know, mask that we carry around, how is this going to work? And now how many do we have? We have them in our car and our purse. And we quickly realized through uh, medical researchers, um, we talked to, we have a lot of uh, physicians actually who are parents in our community and they wanted to help. So they reached out. So through the town halls, we were able to have a, a two-way conversation with our families and we were still getting used to Zoom and Google Meet. And so all the hiccups and jokes that you know kind of came out, those were happening um, uh, live, if you want to call it. But we had, I think at our max, I think there were 13 to 1400 people who would log on. And a lot of them were, they were our staff. They were concerned. They were worried. How are we going to come back? So we had the questions ahead of time, but then we opened it up in the Q and A and we just went through those um, one by one. And they usually lasted about an hour and a half, but we found that that was the best way to get information and have that conversation. They felt heard. We felt heard on our side too. We knew that people were getting that information. We recorded them and we sent them out to our families after so they could watch them. And it became our archive. So in communications, you're like, well, I didn't hear that. I didn't see that. Well, here's the town hall where this was discussed and this was shared with you. So it really was kind of covering us too because we wanted to share as much as we could as often as we could. We ended up having about one a month. And in the summer, we actually had a few more, but we would have one with our staff separately and with our community. And oftentimes the staff just needed to hear different things in our community. How are we gonna be in a classroom? How are we going to do music? How are we going to do PE? What are our lunchrooms gonna look like? So the, all those things that we wanted our staff to hear first, so they could be those advocates out in the community for us. And then we moved on to the community ones as well. And I actually submitted these, the public engagement um, town hall idea for a national award because we felt like they were so important for us and so intuitive to what our community was feeling at the time. Were other school districts doing things like that that you know of? Gosh, I, I'm not aware if they were, there could have been, um, but I'm not aware that they had them the way that we did. Um, I think there were some videos and recordings, but we truly had the two-way communication. You know, that was a great answer to my question, which you didn't hear because I was on mute, <laughs> which I think is only appropriate here on the anniversary of, this is really when we all started Zoom meeting too, right? It is. It um, is. Because things change from day to day, 
you know, when nobody knew and what was true one time uh, wasn't true the next, that these town meetings was a brilliant solution to that. That way you had this constant ability to update people on the... Well, because everything was constantly evolving. Um, you know, what was said last week may have been changed by information that we got this week. So here is the next step. And that's always the challenge with some of these things is what you just said. Mm. Um, but, you know, we were all traveling that unknown path. So. And that you're exactly right. We often said what you're hearing is true as of 312, <laughs> you know, at 1151. Um, this is what we know. And this will change. And if you hear it's changed, it's because of guidance that we've received. Um, we worked very closely with public health, our nurses, our physicians. CDC was learning. I mean, mm -hmm. the people who are supposed to know this stuff, they were learning on the fly. We asked and we got and we received grace. We asked for grace. We asked over and over and over for it. And we received it above and beyond from our community and our staff. It could not, our, t our community came together in ways I never could have imagined. These are stressful times. They were trying to figure out their own work life. They were trying to figure out how am I going to work at home and have devices streaming and I don't have a device. How are my students going to be here? I don't know how to teach my kids. I'm not a teacher. That's why they go to school. And we recognized the stress level that people were under you do and say things in the time of stress that you normally wouldn't do. And we were stressed. We were under pressure to make sure that we were taking care of our 12,000 kids, our 1,800 staff members. It was, and all of us, our leadership team, there's seven of us, we all have kids in our district. So when people would say, I can't believe you're doing this to our kids. We're like, they're actually my kids. My kids go here. These are decisions that we're losing sleep on because you're right. We don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think I know because we don't know, but we do believe we're doing the right thing by them at this moment. And this could change. We had matrix in place to when we were going to, you know, transition home learning and transition back. Well, the matrix in August looked very different in November because when we went back, you know, your positivity rate in the county was say 6% and I think CDC said 5% or you can't be in school. We're like, well, I think we can do it. I really think we can do it with our mitigation efforts. I think we can do it. Well, we got to November and it was 22%. We're like, gosh, I think we can still do it but it's just gonna look different. And we did transition for two weeks online to kind of reset everything. But we went through, I think the most stressful once we got into school was the quarantine. Have you been exposed? Do you need to be transitioned home? Um, now you're going to be quarantined for two weeks and how are teachers supposed to teach in person and at home kids, kids who are sick or not sick, but their parents are sick. And so our teachers have had so much thrown at them and our staff and our, I mean from our nutrition workers to our custodians to you know a librarian our related arts we don't have our, our music teachers are going into classrooms instead of going into a music room they're having art on a cart and so kids who I think they're they're kind of lost in all of this because they have transitioned and coped with this in ways 
I hope they probably don't even see the magnitude of it, but they have been awesome. And so they, they have smiles under their mask. You can see it in their eyes. It's amazing to, to have them just evolve in all of this. And they're resilient. The kids are cool. They're resilient and they want to, you know, do what they're told. And that's why we never had a re, a, an issue with a mask. Kids do what they're told. Okay. I need to wear a mask that gets me to school. I'm in. So it was a, it was pretty cool to watch the kids throughout this too. How did so when, you handle the, the challenge that had to have been there when it comes to devices? Not everybody's got, is that where you were going, Chris? I was going there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you do that? That's 12,000 students. And if they're virtual, how do this, you handle that? Yeah. So imagine if you didn't have Apple stock, it would have been great to have Apple stock. Like, I don't know, like 18 months ago. So we um, worked with our Apple rep for our district and said, Hey, this was Mayish June. We're going to need some devices. And in our long-term strategic plan that everybody puts on the shelf, there's this one-to-one -one initiative that we wanted to do within the next two years. And we looked at each other, said, well, a two-year process is now about two months. And so Apple, we ordered 12,000 devices along with everyone else in the country, your Omaha's, your Minneapolis, these huge school districts. Um, we got iPads and laptops and the, the deployment of that, once we actually got them, we got them in August. I mean, we're, you know how you track <laughs> packages coming? We were tracking these packages as they're coming from Ohio from Michigan, from California. And it's like this best Amazon package is going to be here and it's going to be here so soon. We ripped open those boxes. We went down to one of our bigger buildings, our apex building, and we had everybody putting labels and barcodes, our superintendent, everybody was there. And we started deploying devices through our IT department and holy moly, they were amazing. And it was all hands on deck for three days. And so people would come by last name, pick up their device and transition online or in person, whichever your mode of education was going to be. And it truly from eight to eight, for three days, we deployed devices. And I mean, you have to put software on these things. You have to put you know, security. security. It was just, and now looking back, the, the complete sheer mass chaos that it was that actually went off without a hitch is amazing. The one thing we didn't have was the cases mm -hmm. or the iPads. So students did go to school without cases and those came in probably a month or probably a month or two later, but um, if that was all that didn't come, we were, we were ahead. Is there any issues with connect connectivity with your, yes. and did, they didn't have internet at their home or, or yes, we had, or? yep. So we had a lot of families that do need internet or their internet was slow, um, or just wasn't quite, um, fast enough for the devices. So we deployed hotspots and we purchased those as well. I think they were through Verizon. We actually went through two different vendors to get them and realize that um, these are really important to families. Um, talk about throwing things out and sticking to the wall. Well, we thought about parking um, our buses that have Wi-Fi on them in parking lots at different apartment complexes and different areas so that 
just in case these hotspots didn't work, they could connect to a bus with Wi-Fi. We threw so many ideas out there and we just wanted to make sure our kids and our families were taken care of. That's a great idea. That's that's a great idea. We had social workers. We had our English language learner teachers. They were working with families. They went door to door to make sure that they had their device a hotspot that worked, how to show them how to connect it, how to hook it up, making sure that they knew that there were meals available through our nutrition department every day that they could come get lunch and then breakfast for the next day. And this was actually a way that we were able to connect with our kids Hmm. so we could check in on them, come get lunch. We want to see you. So our nutrition workers could keep an eye on them. Um, A lot of families, they have to work. And so kids were left at home by themselves out of sheer necessity. I mean, we have so many frontline workers that they never got a break. They never, and they still haven't gotten a break. So your nurses, your dietitians, your, I mean, IT and healthcare. I mean, so we had a lot of families that were still working and could not transition home that we wanted to check on our kids and make sure that they were doing okay. That's awesome. My, uh, my wife works in education as well. And I know that they had some issues with uh, the, necessity of having your kids learn the curriculum that's being distributed to them. You know, there was a couple of uh, parents that were like, Oh no, we're doing our own thing. We're fine. (laughs) So were you able to reach out to any of those uh, individually to to kind of bring them back in line? We did. And so I always say the spring learning was very different from when we started this year. We did not have a learning management system last year. So last year from April and May, that was really your one email a week is what we did. And here's you know your list of items that, to do. And our staff had to do that in a matter of days, pull you know curriculum together. Um, but yeah, we did have to catch up like, hey, are you getting this phone calls? Are you making sure that you're logging on? Is there something that we can help you? Is there a reason you're not logging on? Is there a reason that we're not getting work done? Um, I know personally, we had my three kids home my husband and I both trying to work. We just didn't have enough bandwidth to do it. And so it was like, oh, okay, I'll wait. I'm on a call. Oh, we got to jump on here to this Google me. And so just managing all of that in a household that we were able to transition home was stressful. So we recognized that families were, there were so many barriers to overcome and still are overcoming. Yeah. How did you deal with uh special needs students? Our special needs students are an amazing group and their families are so connected with us and not seeing them was hard on our staff. So what we did, um, learning on a device for some special needs kids just wasn't going to work. And those students needed help. They needed help, Um, but we couldn't come to school. And so in the spring was so hard, but our special education teachers were amazing. They, they did, they stood outside and a lot of times they would connect through the walls and through the windows and say, hey, we're here, what do we need? What can we do? Cause it's truly a family affair when you start to you know, talk about special needs and talk about the individual education plans that are in place. Um, as it transitioned into school year, we brought those students back to school. And so they were the one students that were able to stay in our buildings. We had about 100 to 125 students who always have been able to come into our buildings and be with our staff that need that they need. Um, so it was very, very interesting to watch that all progress. And 
routine is huge in a lot of students, even more so in special education. They have a routine that works for them. That's why they're called individual education plan. It's for them. And you take that and move it. It is a huge, huge hurdle. Um, So I, I can't even imagine being a family member or a staff member, but holy moly, they made it work. It wasn't perfect. Nothing was perfect in any of this. Did you have any language barriers with any families that uh, when, when things were rolling out that didn't quite understand? We do, we did. And we have about 68 different languages spoken in Waukee. And wow. so when we start to talk about language, that is huge. And how do we understand, how do we get our families to understand what's happening? Well, I know I put my kids on the bus or I walk them to school or I drop them off um, and that's not happening now. So we have an English language learner team or our ESL team as well that were instrumental in those in reaching them and communicating with them and going door to door safely to make sure that they had everything that they needed. And translation services was critical to making sure that our students were learning in the way that they needed to be. My wife's a counselor at her school. And uh, so she, you know, was supposed to be counseling the kids and all that. And she wound up actually kind of almost opening up and, and counseling some of the parents through some of this stuff too. So uh, I think the, we'll, the parents were the ones who needed it most, to yeah. be honest. I mean, yes. they were, yeah. were you able to reach out to them too then when they would, would come crying on your shoulder? <laughs> Our counseling team, they were, they were doing things differently too. You know, how are we going to connect? Their whole world is around connecting and checking in on kids. So they each, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because each unit or department was able to see how are we going to do it to make sure we're serving our students and staff in the way that they need it. And so listening to the needs and then finding solutions to those needs was huge, was huge. And we don't even know the lasting impact that Mm -hmm. this is going to have on our staff and our students and families. Sounds like everybody just needs a big hug. Everybody just needs to hug it out. (laughs) I agree. We do a lot of fist bumps. Yeah, we're not quite ready for that yet, Shannon. (laughs) Another couple months. What do you think? What do you think the future looks like? Is virtual learning going to continue to play a, a critical part, do you think? What I think we can say is we've learned a lot through this and I cannot imagine a world where virtual learning isn't a part of it. And I think even from adult learning to the youngest learners, we will have, I think it's reshaped what we already probably knew was inevitable, but education, we are brick and mortar. We are in the buildings at all times. Otherwise, how are we ever going to learn? We just proved it over the last year that kids can thrive and kids can get experiences that they've never been able to have. The cool thing about this, you're able to find people across the country to zoom into your classroom now, where before it was, you had to pay for them to fly here. And it was this whole thing, the speaker tours and, you know, traveling. Now they're looking for work too. So it is the connections that have been made are I, I couldn't imagine it a year ago. So even at our high school level, I could see that this virtual learning and the education and the classes will be virtual and we will free up some of that brick and mortar space for that work-based learning and the experiences that our kids will be able to 
receive and be a part of is just, it's mind blowing. It's exciting. It's exciting to see what their opportunities are ahead. So in the future, then with, you've got some of this backbone already in place now, do you have plans for a faster reaction? Should you something else happen that we, you know, some other strain or something hits us that we all have to go back? Is there a plan in place to, to react faster now that you've done it uh, once or twice? Absolutely. This train, I think people have learned to, what's the word, pivot um, and transition back and forth in ways that, I mean, we gave very little notice um, to a lot of families and classrooms. We're, we are down to now with quarantine and monitoring the ability to send a classroom home, not the entire school, not the entire grade level, a classroom can transition and they can stay with their teacher. We talked about consistency, that's huge. And we talked about, we don't need to shut the entire district and transition them. We can go to where we are. So yeah, if I think we would phase things in and out a lot quicker than we ever have and people are used to it. And I never thought we'd ever be used to being home or being away and, um, but we we have families who have been online this whole time. We had about 20% of our families, about 2,500 students who chose to learn at home this year who are loving it. And I they want it to continue. And so we have to find ways of meeting our team and our families where they are. And that's part of marketing. Your consumers are asking for something. Mm -hmm. We have to give it to them. Yep. So how did you handle parent-teacher conferences? These, as a parent, I will say, are the best ever to do virtually. They're, as much as it, the connection part is, and you want to see their classroom, and especially at the elementary level, you want to see where they sit in their cute little drawings. And this was so efficient. So we did, just like we were doing here, Google Meets. We jump on at a time. We talk through their progress. What can we be working on? They have online um, little booklets that they show you everything and where they're at on the scales. And you're done in 10, 15 minutes and on to the next parent. And so I, our staff have loved it and I can't imagine those going away. So there are some really good things that have come out of the pandemic. There are a lot of good things. I think if we truly look at this and we, the appreciation we have for people, I think is huge, but really just it's forced us out of our comfort zones and in every industry and organization, I think we all can say, well, I hope that never goes away, but you wouldn't have gotten there if not forced to do so. Hmm. So I think everything from financial to telehealth, and that was always a part of it, but now you can't deny that that people have had. How do you take something away that's mm -hmm. working and that is there? I just don't know how people could look at that and say, well, that was just for COVID. Well, it's for a lot of things. I think if you ask your healthcare workers this year, no influenza, very little influenza, RSV, the common cold, people are healthier because of mitigation. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could see a world, I don't know, I could see a world where October, November, every year roll around, you pull out your mask and you wear it into public places. If you could avoid germs and spreading disease to people we've shown it works why would we now that just because covid it, there there will be another virus something that comes along yep 
Well, you know, that process or that that's not in common in certain Asian countries, too. Or if you exactly. if you have a cold, you wear a mask out of respect for everyone else. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious about the uh, teachers uh, adapting to an online education. I'm sure some of them were natural and some probably struggled. How, what was that like? Did they, all of a sudden now I have to, what's this? I don't get, I'm classroom teacher. We gave them so much time, three whole days to learn <laughs> a learning management system that again would have taken about 18 months to roll out. This is something that is huge. And the state bought the software. So it's Canvas is what the state um, implemented for all learners. Now, like you said, some people are adapted quickly and others really struggled and are still struggling. And I would throw that out to any of us. Some people adapted better to online meetings and conferences and other people still struggle. But they did amazing. And still when those students would be quarantined or home, you could jump on, they never missed a minute of learning, which was so great because they could log on, either join the class via Zoom or Google Meet, and then they could get their assignments and everyone else was submitting them online. You were submitting it online from home. The, the teachers have had to change every aspect of how they work. And it is, it's, I, you know, I just have the most utmost respect for them because we just didn't give them a lot of time or notice. We didn't have it. We just weren't, the gift of time wasn't there. And having the, the teachers be, yep, we're in this. We will absolutely do what you need us to do. And I don't know what amazing, you know, bubble we have here, but it was our staff and team decided this summer, this was something we felt was important and everybody was all in from the beginning. There were nerves, they were, they were scared. We all were, we weren't knowing what was happening, but they trusted us, they trusted the process. They trusted each other to do what was right. And so when they transitioned online, we had t teams that were now a team of online learners and a team of, and those students are looking at them through a computer, never met face-to-face. And now you're my teacher, you know, and you think about a first grader, second grader, kindergartner, they just want to hug and they just want that love. How do you give that through a computer? Um, so it's it's been amazing to watch. And through communications, we've highlighted so many of those stories of our music teacher and our kindergarten teachers and all of the online learning that has happened. It's it's fascinating. And for me, video has been huge this year. Students and families have not been able to get into our buildings and see what's happening. So we found it so imperative to share through video what, what's actually happening. How are they learning? How does lunch look? How does the hall, how are the hallways looking? What does my kid's classroom look like? This is really, really weird. You tell me he can't stand up or move around or, you know, and you have red circles on the lunch tables. What do you mean? So talking about being open and transparent, we took them in for a virtual tour and we keep doing those stories of, this is how it's working and this is how it's going. And as a parent, I wanted to see it too. So it was very, very, mm. very imperative to have video. That's really cool. 
And from a news standpoint, speaking of, obviously the news industry has changed as well. And we have a lot of stories to share. And I think prior to this, a lot of news stations would not have accepted video. They wanted to shoot it themselves. We have found that we have given a lot of our video from our buildings to them and just been able, the accessibility of our superintendent to do a Zoom interview quick and it's done in 10 minutes is completely changed their world. I can't even imagine, but really just saying, hey, this is what it looks like to be in our building. You don't have to ask or wonder anymore. This is exactly how it's going. Awesome. Good stuff. It sounds like you really, really rallied and really rose to the occasion and, and you've got such great stories. Just what great work on behalf of your team. You know, we, we do. We had people who are willing to work together and, like I said, throw things off the wall and um, work those 60 to 80 hours to get everybody back. But it wasn't it wasn't work. It was something that we it was necessary. We mm -hmm. had to do this. And those 12,000 little eyes looking at us depended on it. And they knew that we we would we were taking their and families their kids are their prized possession. We had to keep them safe. We had to keep our staff safe. And we were willing to try anything to make sure that that happened. And I can't stop before I give a huge shout out to our nurses and the amount of time through contact tracing, hours on the phone with families who are scared and worried because they were exposed to someone with COVID or that their child was on the bus and they were exposed. What does this mean? Should I get tested? Where do I need to go? When can I come back? Our nurses were phenomenal. And I know that they were the first ones in the building every day and the last ones out of the building. And I think they continue to be that. Excellent. You know, this is, has been super interesting, Amy. <clears throat> Not having kids in school, you know, only looking at it from the outside. I think it's so interesting to see how you guys reacted. You know, <clears throat> I think most people had no idea of all the things that you did and the amount of work and how everyone pulled together and how innovative and creative everyone uh, was in trying to solve this problem. I say uh, thank you. Yeah, very much. And, and yeah. kudos. It wasn't always uh, rainbows <laughs> and butterflies, let me tell you that. But I have to share. So just yesterday, our superintendent um, gave his leadership team. I have to, if you guys can see, it's a little. <laughs> it's actually a, uh, it's actually from the mainframe studios downtown. There's an artist there who it's blown glass. And he said, before everybody leaves on spring break, I want you to see and just remember this whenever things get hard, we did hard things and we continue to do hard things. But this is a reminder of everything that has transpired over the last year. So I thought that was perfect timing as well. That's great. That's oh, awesome. That fantastic. That's awesome. Well, that's a perfect place to uh, wrap this up. What an interesting conversation. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it truly was. Yeah. Thank you Thank so you much. So much for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me. This is, and I know I speak for all educators and people in education, a huge thank you to all the support of our communities and really highlighting the teachers and staff of our communities that impact our students in ways that we can't even imagine. 
So I think the last, the last funny question is, so when you leave for spring break, are you taking your computers and stuff with you? I will never not travel with my computer <laughs> ever. <laughs> it is something I, PTSD is a real thing. It truly is. But this is one where I, I would probably break out in hives if I didn't. <laughs> well, enjoy. I hope you get a break and enjoy it. And thanks yes. again for being with us. Thank Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Have All a wonderful right. rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye. And bye, Amy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Art of Marketing podcast from Applied Art and Technology. If you liked the episode, make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a review so we can help more listeners connect with their customers. See the show notes for access to our free 88-page video idea book filled with ideas for your next production. And to learn more about our company, visit our site at appliedart.com.